Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Sports Creative Showcase podcast. I'm your host, Juan Morales, and as always, we are here with conversations with the movers, the shakers, and the people making waves in the sports creative world today. In this episode, we're featuring another one of my close friends, Michael Goisman, who is a creative in the UFC and MMA space. Michael is not just only a talented videographer and photographer, but he is an incredibly smart and strategic social media manager for one of the biggest growing pages for MMA fans on Instagram, at Fight Club. In this episode, we talk to Michael about his upbringing and early love for combat sports and martial arts, and we talk about how he went from sneaking in to university-level sporting events to now shooting and covering some of the biggest UFC events in the world. Without further ado, I bring you episode two of the Sports Creative Showcase. I hope you guys enjoy, and I'll see you guys at the end of the episode. We're just going to start off because I don't have a name for this show yet. I don't have a name for whatever this is. If you have any recommendations, please let me know. But for those watching, uh, you guys are familiar that I obviously did a bit of a sit-down episode with another friend previously. I have a new friend here who's going to introduce himself in a second, but I'm just going to use this series as an opportunity to connect and introduce other creatives who I'm friends with or I'm connected with in some way. Probably going to start just in Toronto, but we'll see where this goes, just to kind of highlight other people in other niche sports. So today we have, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, Michael Goisman, I guess. Yeah. Some say Mike, some say Mika. There's a couple of different monikers in the industry. So Michael is a UFC content creator. Would that be the best way of kind of describing That's him? what we're going with. That's what we're going with. So he is a UFC content creator. He shoots photography and video, and he's actually a social media manager for one of the biggest UFC social content pages on Instagram, if that's if I'm right. Um, so if you want to just give us a little bit of an intro as to who you are, what you do, and kind of, you know, who is Michael, kind of in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it started a while ago, so without getting too into the details, 2016, I was working as an operations manager for a sports gaming company that made a huge shift into the social media game. We were trying to push acquisition from social media to sports gaming, and by doing so, we found this crazy niche of like sports content that was available if we just owned some really great handles on Instagram. And it was all about the handles for a long time, at Ball, at NBA Memes, some really big ones, but we ended up getting Fight Club. Fight Club was a nothing page, 10 followers. It was really doing nothing, and me being a fight fan, they just kind of handed it to me and said, here's a page. Um, I didn't manage pages. I knew nothing about social media. Uh, and a year later, we're at you know, almost 200,000 followers, verified creating original content and my job is to manage all that chaos. Wow, yeah, you were telling me before yeah. we started, like I said, what would you describe yourself? And you're yeah. like a manager of chaos. That's, that's all it is on day to day. Wow, okay, so uh, obviously you, you, I wanna talk about this because I remember, because for context, we, we were kind of internet friends, I guess, yeah. to a degree, like we, we followed like, each other, we just liked each other's stuff and then the other week is like, let's just go grab a beer, I wanna connect with you. And I think the one, the first thing that stuck out to me, and this is kind of not related to the UFC but thing, but what you just said, you guys kind of monopolized handles. Yeah. And you guys just kind of like took the reins and like stole a bunch, stole. No, we, you can call it stole, <laughs> you, yeah. you, you Stole for a fair price. You yeah. guys stole for a fair price several yeah. handles and then you fall into the Fight Club one, but like what was the point of like taking all those handles, maybe like, you know, it's such an interesting kind of concept because obviously people nowadays will pay money for a specific handle if they really want it, if it aligns with their brand. Like, what was that all about? Like, it's it's all about how much weight do you put on the importance of having your handle? Like, your handle is super important to you because of the way you've grown it, but some people just want to see a name. And our co-founders noticed that people would gravitate towards really short, uh, what we called OG handles. So typically handles with four letters or less. So one of our founders had a two letter handle, which was pretty much unheard of. And we found that 
the less letters you have in a niche space, we get traffic. So at ball, for example, you can use it in so many different spaces and it did so well. So we just kept growing and buying new pages and trying to grow them and build brands. And by doing so, we found that you know, there was three or four main brands and then everything else was just under and we built like a hierarchy of great Instagram handles, which took us to where we are today. Wow, so how to finesse the social media handle yeah. empire was how it all kind of started. Pretty much, yeah. In terms of getting Fight Club, but let's take it back like, you know, before the Fight Club thing ever happened. Obviously, you, you're a photographer, you're a videographer, you're a content creator at your core. Uh, how did you start doing that? Like, what was your, your start in, you know, it doesn't have to be UFC specific, but like, when did you first pick up a camera? When did you get your start doing this stuff? I like to think that it was before the time that everybody wanted to be a content creator and a videographer and photographer when it was really, really slowly growing, but the rate was multiplying quickly. It was still early, you were seeing content creators, but for me, it was more, uh, I was in second year university. I didn't really want to spend money on going to sports events, but I really wanted to be there with great seats. So my approach was, I see photographers have the best seats in the house. So if I just go rent a camera, maybe I can get credentialed. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll go <laughs> grab a camera and I'll try to weasel my way into courtside access. And the first time I tried it was, uh, well, I went to Brock. So Oh yeah, I forgot you went to, I, I'm, this is Ryerson Rams uh, household. I'll here, leave right? now, thank you. <laughs> um, so the first one was the U18 Americas that they hosted in uh, St. Catharines. Mm -hmm. RJ Barrett was playing, and a whole bunch of talent there. So. I'm like, there's nothing to lose. I'm gonna go rent a, ca a camera. I think I'd rent Just see like what a, happens. Whatever happens, Throw happens. Throw caution to the wind, yeah. Exactly, I'm like, I bought the camera from Best Buy, I think it was a Nikon like D500 or something, okay. 5,000. I don't even remember anymore, but I walked up courtside, I sat down. Within 30 seconds, someone came up to me, they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm media. And they're like, but you don't have your media pass or your media jacket. I'm like, where do I get one? He said, in the back. And then from there, I just kept buying cameras, returning them, and going to events. Lesson learned, if you want to get yeah. into sporting events, just, just cheat, go cheat and lie. Go get a camera, yeah. lie, and pretend like you know what you're doing. No one's <laughs> going to ask questions to a person with a nice camera. If you, if you act like you've been there before, no one's ever going to ask questions. So obviously, you snuck your camera into the events just to get the best seat in the house. You had to play the role of photographer, even yeah. though you probably didn't know how to use a camera. But how did you go from that to like actually learning to take photography and, and, and video and falling in love with that and taking it further. How did that progress? It, it was more just seeing what the people around me were doing, right? I met a lot of people who were super passionate about what they were doing in the photography space. And instead of just sitting there for three hours watching the game, I had to somewhat pretend like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. So instead of just pretending, over the next two, three months, I studied every ounce of the photography game and you know how to shoot manual, how to get good lighting, you know, what's your aperture? Spent a lot of time on YouTube. A lot of time on YouTube. Shout out Peter McKinnon. Um, the boy. No free ads. Um, no, no, no free ads. No, no, that's not an ad. That's an icon. That's an icon. That's an icon. Peter, yeah. so, watch icon. So yeah, that's what it was. I'm sure there's a lot of people that could have been better yeah. to watch, but Peter McKinnon was kind of the staple of the newbies getting into the game and he was really, really good at explaining it and breaking it down. So the next few months I just got really into shooting and video was far later, but at first it was, I love shooting photos. Like I love capturing moments of athletes that I could then send to them. And I always made it a priority to, after the games, go find the athletes, send them the photos, even if they were crap, because most of the time they were crap. Looking back at you know, the work we did when we started, it was all garbage, most likely, yeah. unless you hit one lucky shot. But I mean, I, right before I shot this, I shot a YouTube video, like right before you came about like reacting to my old stuff. And yeah. it's like, you look back on it and yeah, it's trash, but yeah. relatively like, when you look back on it, you're able to notice one of two things. Obviously your personal growth, right. but also you notice like the basis of what your like what your style is now. Yeah. Like I look at my videos from back in, I just looked at my videos from back in 2018 and I'm like, this is horrendous, but I see 
the the way I shoot is very rooted in the way I started. Right. It's um, your style. Yeah, it's your style. Style doesn't change. Just the you know the, you've made improvements on your style. Exactly. And I think like I can also speak to like Peter McKinnon, like learning from all those guys, and like though that was how I started too. Like I mean, for me, it was like I was in school for this in a way, and I picked up a camera and I ended up shooting sports very much in the university in the OUA. Same kind of come up as you, so I, I really relate to that. So. Obviously, you start with shooting at Brock and, you know, their sports teams here and there. But now you're shooting MMA, which yeah. is a very niche sport. Um, like I said, kind of to you and my friend earlier, Nero, this is I've interviewed now two people who have shot very niche, unique sports. It's not basketball. It's not hockey. It's not soccer, football. Yeah. So how did you get into mixed martial arts? Did you do it as a kid? I know you mentioned you do jujitsu, but like, how did you kind of take how did you get into the world of mixed martial arts yeah aside from traditional you know growing up doing karate because your yeah. parents made you when you're five years old yeah. <clears throat> i had a buddy in high school who used to beat the living crap out of us like just <laughs> this like lanky nerdy kid shout out to Silbs. he used to beat the shit out of us and that made us all want to start boxing so grade 10 i took some boxing classes and i got lucky in st Catharines. um there's a great gym sbg niagara and they're one of the best beginner friendly mma gyms in the world and as soon as i got there just Fell in love with the sport, fell in love with the people, fell in love with you know, why people do mixed martial arts, aside of you know, what people see getting kicked in the head and the violence behind it. There's so much grit and personality in that sport that I went from, I only want to shoot hockey and basketball and football to I only want to shoot combat sports. I want to learn these people's stories and I got obsessed with um, why Ontario MMA is so restrictive, why everything is so tough for the fighters in, in Ontario and Canada. And, and then it just spiraled. It spiraled like crazy. I fell in love with you know, the fighters, the sport, doing the sport and especially shooting the sport. Like it's, it's special. Like when you yeah. shoot mixed martial arts, there's something different than shooting hockey or basketball. It's, it's very personal. So kind of jumping on that, that actually really leads into my next question, which is like, what was, what's your favorite part about shooting it? And you just touched on it. And for me, for contrast, like, I'm very varied in what I shoot. I, a lot of football, a lot of hockey, a lot of basketball. But you're, you, and I think having done mar, like martial arts before, like I did Taekwondo when I was younger and I took it for a long time. I understand that there's some other element to combat sports and martial arts. Yeah. There's like kind of like a, it has a life of its own really. Yeah. But can you talk about like a little bit more about what that is and why, what's your favorite thing about shooting MMA? To start, it was more that I had relationships with the people that I was shooting for. So a lot of the athletes that I was shooting, I'd either have trained with before, or I looked up to as an athlete. So for me to be able to be at the events, again, just getting cage side access to MMA events. So back to the roots, I wanted to be in the best seats in the house. At this point, you knew how to use a camera. At this point, I knew how to use a camera. <laughs> I invested a little money in my own, and I got to deliver these pictures, these moments for the fighters that nobody else was doing. There's very few photographers out there that love to shoot combat sports. So when I was there, I was, you know, I think ahead of the game in terms of the quality of my shots because again i use really good gear and that's a bit of a cop-out but i love delivering great photos of great moments to people that i knew appreciated them so much which you i feel like you don't get as much in other sports i feel like there's so many nba photographers and basketball photographers and hockey photographers and football photographers there's really not that many combat sports photographers and it means a lot to the fighters they they really appreciate when you capture those moments whether they're bloody whether they're good whether they're bad you know they keep those for a long time when we met up, what I really like connected with you is like, we both have that kind of common passion. It's yeah. like, I know a lot of people shoot the sports for different reasons or, you know, shoot sports for different reasons, whether that's, you know, to help highlight a league or tell, you know, or, you know, 
capture just I, I sorry what i'm trying to get to is that i think what you and i have in common is like the wanting to capture those moments and share them with the people they, they sure. have and like for me like whether i'm shooting like ryerson athletics back in the day or now shooting with the nhl or the cfl like one of the biggest things that i one of the my favorite things is sharing that with those people and giving it to them because that's a memory they're going to have but to actually have something physical to phys, like physical or digital to to remember it yeah. by is is something that they'll never forget like for right. me the like our Ryerson like the Ryerson women's team won nationals and um, OUA against Brock unfortunately, uh, but like one of my favorite things that that time was not just posting about it on social but like actually giving this to the girls and be like hey I have this clip of you celebrating here it is or sending it to another one and be like I have this clip of you and your mom like having a moment after the game like that's what it's priceless. all about that's priceless and it I think is. that's what got lo gets lost in this world it's like. I think everyone's in chase of like the social media clout and in search of likes and numbers. And it kind of becomes less of like the moment and more of like, I shot this person. Yeah. But I think you have a really good grasp on like taking the moment for what it is and capturing it and then giving it to someone and more as a gift as a, a memory. It's again, like a lot of people are doing it out of necessity now, yes. right? People are trying to make a career out of. <clears throat> the photo game, the video game, and for them, what gets the clicks is I shot J. Cole at his, you know, CBL debut, and good for them. Like, I'm not ragging on that at all. If you can get those pictures and you do a great job, fantastic. But just remember why, you know, you're doing it. Remember why people love to do it and what makes a great relationship between a photographer and an athlete. Because there's lots of photographers, but building relationships with the athletes is what's going to get you to that next level. Building relationships with the other creators, building relationships with the leagues. That's what really matters in the long, long run, because when they think of somebody to call to shoot, not necessarily a game, but let's say we have like a fashion a, shoot, a fashion shoot, a Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, you know, something behind the scenes, yeah. they're going to call somebody that they trust, not somebody that they think is a great photographer necessarily. You need both. Yeah, you have you, to be. Relationships yeah. are, and I've learned that too, like in my experience, like building those connections and being a genuine person is just as important as actually like shooting the yeah. thing and i think you and i really clicked on the fact that like we both have a common interest of like wanting to help athletes build their brand and, and help their their visual image because like i think athletes are becoming way more aware that their social media presence is incredibly important and i think we see it a lot in basketball and football but i think other athletes around the world are realizing like if you if you want and i think this goes for influencers too like if you want to market yourself as a as a as an athlete who's you know brands can approach and you can make more money off that you need to bring someone on 100%. because you can do everything with your phone just fine but you don't as an athlete like you're waking up you're training you're going to the yeah. gym you're going you're working out like there's so many things you need to bring someone on to supplant that and give you like the high quality content the last thing you want to worry about is did i get a high quality photo of me doing this that i can post on instagram get then, someone to do it yeah or can i repurpose this for tiktok and youtube and and whatever platform is next yeah. on there it's a lot like it's a full-time job and it's great because every athlete Hypothetically, if every athlete embraces this brand building mm -hmm. initiative and all the creatives out there all have new relationships that they can build. If yeah. every athlete has their person, then great. There's more jobs for everybody. But and how is it in UFC? Are athletes starting to notice that? I know like I, I watched a podcast once, listened to a podcast once with Conor McGregor's photographer. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, you, you might know it. Ginger beer photographer. Yes, I can't he, remember. Yeah, I but you know what I'm talking about. I, I listened to a, a Black with No Cream. If you guys, I'll link it down in the description. Great interview with... Conor McGregor's photographer, but I think it's a perfect example yeah. of like a content creator being at the right place at the right time. For sure. That's and the, Conor being like, yeah. I fuck with you. You're my guy. You're my guy now. Is that something like, is that something you're hoping to get to is to get 
an attention of a fighter of, of a high caliber, him to look at you and be like, hey, like, I want you to be my guy or what, what would you want to do in that space of brand building for an athlete? I would love to be able to tell the story of every single athlete on the UFC roster and even in, you know, lower leagues and stuff like that because aside from what everyone's seen with Conor McGregor, every fighter, I would say 99% of fighters have a phenomenal story. They all have great backgrounds. None of them come from like, you know, boring, you know, upbringings. They, they, a lot not, of them come from yeah, struggle. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them come from struggle and strife and they've made it through some really dark shit to get to where they are now. And whenever I meet athletes, I always try to get the story. Right. Everyone wants to get the interview. They want to get the, the soundbite of, you know, how do you think your next fight's going to finish? Are you going to knock them out? Are you going to submit them? You know, can you make a prediction? But telling the story is way more important. So working with guys like Michael Johnson, who you know, I've always been a huge fan of. I have videos when I was starting to watch combat sports of me cheering him on at fights when I was sitting in the bleachers and then getting to work with him is awesome. So it's just building relationships with all these athletes. If I could pick one athlete to just follow for the rest of his career. Put it out there, maybe he'll watch it. Hey, I'll keep that between uh, me and him, but I think he knows who it is. Okay. We're, 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 we got something in the works, but I'd love to be able to tell an athlete's story start to finish. Yeah. Uh, like the Allen Iverson book I was showing you. Yes, yes. That's, that's Being incredible. part of their legacy. The journey. Yeah, the journey, yeah. that's just all it's like all. Ginger Beer Photography and Connor, that's, that's a gold mine. Yeah. They built an entire brand off that as well. The Mac Life Official, which is their social media network now, is huge. So yeah. shout out to Connor, shout out to Ginger Beard, and. I'll link down in the description yeah, of that podcast episode that I mentioned. It's awesome. You should definitely check it out if you're interested in the MMA or even just sports photography. The photography that they do with Connor is, and I think Connor is a bigger than life. He's bigger than the sport, he is. which is you know good and bad for its own reasons. But I think he's the perfect example of a, of an athlete at the top of their level who understands like what I do off the outside of the octagon and put on social media is just as important as my results because fighting isn't forever. Say what you want about Connor, but nobody has grown the sport more than him. Like nobody has brought more eyes to the sport and showed up for big fights and big moments and made more clips and done better engagement than Connor McGregor. He's a one of one. There will, I, I can say there will never be another Connor McGregor. I don't even know who would even be a close second. It's tough to say. There's some huge names in the sport right now, but he changed the game. He, he definitely changed everything about it. Moving forward from that kind of athlete brand conversation, because I feel like that's all we could, all, go, on we could go on forever. Yeah. Moving on, obviously, you've been shooting this. Let's take it. Let's let's kind of take it chronologically here. Um, how do you go from? I'm assuming shooting local combat sports in Ontario and in, in St. Catharines or wherever. How do you go from that to getting the attention of Michael Bisping yeah. and running this Fight Club page? How, yeah. how do you go from A to B? Because it, it, it seems like a night and day difference in terms of like where you were yeah. to where you are now. Look, I'm still, in my head, I'm still on that journey, right? For me, the end all be all would be cage side photography for the UFC, which I haven't gotten to yet, but I don't want to rush it. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying this process of, you know, the, the social media page and then going to events and documenting and eventually Obviously, I would love to shoot cage side, but the Bisping thing was just really lucky because he was a co-founder of the gaming company. So through the company, I got to know him. Uh, I got to have some dinners with him, speak with him, and he's, like a lot of fighters, the most genuine type of person that you'll meet. They're kind, caring, they're super considerate, but obviously they're, you know, they're known as savages. Yes, um, they, but they beat the shit out of each other in a cage. people for money, and it looks bad to a lot of people, but when you get to know them, they're great people, and Bisping's always been super helpful with anything I needed. I wanted to do a uh, combat sports internship. He made like a video recording recommendation for me. And then when I asked him, hey, this Fight Club brand is growing. Can you get us access to the UFC? Didn't even blink. Yeah. Within two days, I had access to the UFC. And 
then I was taking my skills in photography, videography to the UFC and seeing what the hell I can do there. Like, yeah. I went there not knowing what to expect, what we would be doing, and I got the support of obviously upper management to send me to these events, so forever grateful for that. Yeah. And we figured it out as we go, and then I started the whole process all over again, just relationship building instead of on the amateur level, now it's at the UFC. And it's still early days, but it's, uh, it's cool. I think people forget that when you're, that this process will reset oh, every yeah. level you get. Like for me, yeah. like Ryerson was the first step. Like OUA, sh yeah. shooting OUA sports is the first step. You're building relationships. You're going through the process. You're learning. But then when you get like now that I'm with the NHL or even when I was with the Argos and MLSC, like every single ladder, you're kind of reset. You're at the bottom of the ring. you got to build those relationships. you got to connect with people. And I think people really underestimate how important networking is in this industry because in, I think in sports, especially the the more niche you go, it's not it's not what you can do, but it's really who you know. Yeah, and especially like you said, uh, you made the TikTok about like the old heads at the events that have you know they're well established. They've earned that. Yeah, they've, they've earned, earned their the right to be there. Absolutely, they were where you are at one point, but they're no longer responding to anybody or you know they don't need to. They give built you, themselves they up. They built themselves to where they are today. Does that mean they can push you aside and take your spot? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> but there's a hierarchy. There's always a hierarchy. Absolutely. And you will, like, you got to earn that. Yeah. So I always respect the old heads. I love to learn from the old heads because as much as we think. They've seen, they've seen they've shit. Seen, they've seen shit. They've seen, especially in MMA, yeah. I think they've seen shit. In MMA, it's a tight community. It's not like the other five major sports. The MMA. Once you know somebody, that, like once you're there, everyone knows you. If you've been around the UFC for a while, everybody knows everybody. And it's cool to see the relationships and you know, the struggles between media outlets and photographers and videographers and MMA, because it's, it's very different. You're all in a small room and you get to know who's who really, really quick. And mm -hmm. there's some awesome people at the UFC. The one thing I can say, sorry to cut you off no, again, go for it. my tan tangent goes on, is that the UFC is the coolest organization ever. I've worked with a lot of cool brands, but everyone there is just so happy to be there. They're so friendly, they're so nice, they all want you to be there. So. Working there could be a really, really cool long-term play if if it works if out. If it works out, but if it doesn't, back to square one. Yeah, back onto to the networking. Next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two things I want to touch on there. Uh, first off, was just taking it back a second to Michael Bisping. Yeah. How does he hit you up? Like, how does a guy with his stature? Yeah. How like did he sign into your DMs? Did you get in contact with him through his agent, or like how did that relationship start? How did you meet him? He doesn't. He doesn't hit you up. You hit him up. So oh, okay. He was. Uh, he's really close, he's one of the co-founders of the company, yes. so he was always in communication with my bosses. And I had to pry and say, hey, you know, I want to bother Michael Bisping about this or that. And you know, I think that I've earned a certain amount of respect within the company where I had the freedom to go out and say, hey, Michael Bisping, can I have this? Or could you help me out with this? Or This is what I know. want to do, here's my pitch. Exactly, pretty much. And you know, he was super accommodating all the time. And I like to think that I've earned that respect instead of just being, you know, you most likely can't go up to any athlete and just say, hey, can I have this? Or yeah. could you do this for me? It doesn't work that way. You gotta build that up, build up that relationship. Trust. And, yeah, and I was, I don't know, 16, 17 at the time when I started working and then I didn't ask him for anything till I was 21, Yeah. right? So it was four or five years of- And even then you're offering him something. Yeah. You're saying, I, I don't want, you're, like, I don't want yeah. this from you, but I want to do this with you and get your blessing yeah. for it, get your permission. Exactly, he's the face of the Fight Club brand and what he's done in, in the fight game speaks for itself. Of He's course. Former middleweight champion of the world, um, one of the greatest to ever do it, Hall of Famer. Goat, one of goat, the goats. Uh, broadcaster, UFC commentator. Like He's done it all. So 
for me to ask him for anything, it's more of probably really intimidating at the moment. Oh, 100, it still is. Like yeah. every you time, probably like see him, you're like every time we talk, there's still that you know, what is shell shock or whatever yeah. it is from from kind of like starstruck. starstruck. Yeah, starstruck from meeting one of those athletes. But what's been like your most starstruck moment apart oh, from Bisping? Like, God, what's that one moment you walked into a room and you saw someone and you were like? I have weird ones. I have really weird starstruck moments. Like I, I don't really get phased with the big names. Like the Israel Adesanya's, I met him, he was awesome, obviously, you know, you would think, but then I meet guys like uh, like James Krause, which is a name that most likely nobody knows in the industry. I don't even know who he is. He's a former fighter, now he's a head coach, uh, founder of Glory MMA, and he's just one of those brilliant minds in combat sports that when I meet him, it's not so much as a fighter, it's like, as a person, you're awesome. Like, you're a really cool person. I would love to get to know you or to pick your brain or to work with you on some stuff. But as a fighter, they're all people. I've been around fighters for a long time, so it doesn't phase me too much. Mm -hmm. um, it's like those brilliant minds that I see outside of the cage and hear their podcasts and listen to them speak and see they're doing cool stuff on social media that I, they, they really get to me. So James Krause is one that sticks out for sure. Okay, ama amazing. It's yeah. um, kind of speaking about, I, I kind of want to transition now into your actual experience shooting UFC because like I, I mean I've never been to a fight but I've watched them obviously I I think it's an incredible sport but like the atmosphere surrounding an event the the energy in in an arena when there's a fight going on is unheard of like there are very few sports that build that get viewership that build suspense that market their their athletes and their sports so well like almost no one can touch the UFC what was your first UFC experience and what was running through your mind? Because like for me, contrast, like I just shot my first NHL game in March yeah. and it's an outdoor game and I'm out there and I'm like absolutely about like to shit my pants. But you killed it. Thank you. I'd like to think I did. <laughs> yeah, did. But like, what, you know, I always, it's kind of the first, the first one you'll never forget. Yeah. What was your first UFC like event that you shot and what was going through your mind? Uh, first event I shot was UFC... 272, I think, in Houston. God, if I got that wrong, people are gonna absolutely scold me. But it was uh, Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. That was in Houston, Texas. And I was just, the whole week, I could not believe where I was. Like, from press conference day to weigh-ins, to ceremonials, to fight night, to being in the media room. Like, I, I had to step back every 20 minutes and just like put my camera down. And soak it in. Just soak it all in, because it, it doesn't feel real. Like two, three years ago, I was telling myself I'd love to shoot for the UFC, but if it never happens, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And then being at the events and seeing all these big names and seeing all these... It's like, real. The operations that goes into a UFC event are, are crazy. So for me to just be there, taking a step back was, was surreal. What's a typical what's a typical event week like for you? Like, kind of give us the run through from like yeah. the first day you get to the city to the end of the fight. What's What do you do? Like, what's, it, what's, your, what's your process like? It, the good thing about UFC weeks is they're extremely linear like you know exactly what you're going to be looking at all week wednesday is media day um, all the athletes come up they do their interviews blah 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 move on thursday is uh a press conference for big events so they hold a big you know everyone talks shit what you see they, on tv all the exactly. time exactly they talk shit they throw water balls at each other and then they move on friday is the toughest day because in the morning they all have to make weight so the athletes from thursday morning to Friday around noon are the most miserable people in the world because they just cut 20 to 30 pounds. They're not eating. They're, they're not eating, they're not drinking. And I made a video on like the truth behind weight cutting with Max Griffin, the UFC welterweight. And it's That'll tough. be in the description yeah. below as well. It's, it's, it's tough to watch. Like it's tough to watch these guys kill themselves to then go get kicked in the face, punched in the face and grapple. Like it, it's unfathomable to watch. 
Um, so until noon, you try not to bother any athletes. And then they have ceremonial weigh-ins uh, Friday nights where they all face off and they're all happy again. And Saturday is fight day. You wake up in the morning, you get your shit ready, you go sit in the media room and you just watch fights with all the other media members. You're all in this room. It's like all the media teams that you can think of that you see on social media are all in one room watching fights. And there's definitely moments during big fights because they're just on screens. You can go back and forth between the cage and media room, but where we're all just fight fans. Everybody in that room, just, at the end of the they're day, just loving it. We just love to watch fights. There's very few people in that room that they're there strictly for business purposes. We're all fight fans. So if a fight gets crazy, as impartial as we're trying to be, there's no chance. If somebody lands a head kick, if there's a great fight on, beautiful grappling exchanges, the whole room is watching. We're in awe. And then, you know, whenever the main event rolls around, the media room funnels out to the, to the arena. You don't want to be in there. Special. You don't want to be in the media room. You want to be in that in the atmosphere. As much as the media room is cool, that's where you get all your good content. There's nothing like being in the arena during like during a main event, a crazy fight. Yeah. Uh, so are you shooting at all, or what? What do you? What do you? Or is it mostly just managing the social? I have social? not earned my stripes yet as a UFC photographer. Right now, I'm doing a lot of the media room stuff, where I'm recording interviews, uploading, making graphics, uh, posting. Just the whole monotonous know, stuff. exactly yeah. all the stuff that you need you're to earning your content. stripes exactly so i'm putting in the work getting content for fight club live tweeting posting on instagram graphics videos all that stuff doing pretty much anything you yeah. can think of aside from shooting but you do get to shoot the interviews and the media day and the pressers and that's a lot of the stuff i see on your page yeah. obviously i think those big press conferences are highlights because People talk a lot of shit. People throw stuff at each other. People are insulting anybody. What's your most memorable moment that you've captured at a press conference event for the UFC? Because some of those images like are iconic, like going back all the way. Yeah. Like, you know, what's one of your favorite moments that you've been at that you're like capturing? What was like uh, one thing that sticks in your mind? There's two, I think that, well, one of them was not a captured, one of them was just a moment. The other one was uh, Grant Dawson after his fight. He had a tough fight. It was at the UFC Apex in Vegas. And I posted the video. It was, uh, he came backstage and he just, he spoke about perspective. He spoke about like complacency, breeds. I remember, I remember you posted this. Yeah, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm glad I'm recording, but I don't want to edit anything. I just want to take in that this fighter just fought for three rounds and he's talking about perspective. He's talking about, you know, never giving up on the grind and understanding why you do what you do and that there are bigger things in life than, than the success. And when you're so busy all the time, working 24 seven, trying to grow a brand and try to build a name. It's tough to take a step back and say, you know, there are things that are more important than an Instagram post, mm -hmm. than a TikTok, than a YouTube video. It brings everything into perspective yeah. as is, like and, literally. Yeah, and then the other, the other moment was pretty much the same. I was sitting cage side for a fight where I was supposed to be live tweeting and getting content, but the fight was just so phenomenal. And I was like, I'm cage side. Watching this. Watching this fight. I just pushed my computer away and I just sat and watched the rest of the fight and it was, Sometimes you got to do that, though. You, you just got to enjoy the moment. What's the most memorable fight that you've been at? Oh, that's so easy. Um, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler. I was sitting like, dead center in the media booth, like a media row, which is like, the, I think they're the best seats in the house. Yeah, it's like see. right behind the, like, the front. It's, it's a little further Probably back. So you've got, little, yeah, yeah. you've got some elevation. You can see into the cage. Damn. And it was me and like a couple of my really good friends in the media room. We all went to watch the fight. And... It's one of those fights where you knew it wasn't going to be boring. You knew there's no way it could be boring. But the front kick that knocked out Tony Ferguson will forever be a moment that I'll never... Like, it's engraved into my yeah. brain. How, how much more brutal is the sport that close? Because we yeah. see it on TV all yeah. the time. 
And these guys are getting the, like the shit kicked out of each other. Yeah. But how much, especially like that Tony Ferguson kick, because I know what yeah. you're talking about. How much more physically intimidating is it to see these giant men and women even yeah. beat each other like to near like what what is that what is what is the difference between seeing it on TV to be like being there yeah m meters away from it for a lot of people it's really tough to watch okay like, yeah. there's there's definitely an aspect of that that I totally understand when someone says I'm not comfortable watching UFC fights because they're just yeah it's not for everybody of course but when you've been in there you understand it like it's human chess at the end of the day like they they're both trained athletes it's not like there's a giant man in there with a tiny person and they're trying to beat the shit out of each other on different levels like they both made the same weight they are matched up because they're equal training their 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 skill level is similar mm -hmm. and they're both in there trying to you know separate the other person from consciousness and that's what they signed up for <laughs> that's a really that's a really good say of knock the yeah, fuck out like no that is that's how most of them put it, right? My job is to go in there and separate you from consciousness. And it's brutal. It's definitely brutal, but it's, it's the most core-rooted aspect of like our animalistic instincts. Primal. To primal. To survive. To, to survive. Fight to survive. get in there for money, for everything, for legacy. You get in there with another human being and... All, all, all hands are like, everything's off yeah, the table. To your, but to answer your question, it's brutal. Yeah, like there's some really brutal fights where you're watching like, oh God, I need this to stop. Yeah. But there's some other fights where... I think, I think at the beginning when you said like, there's something else to the sport and like, there's just some other feeling you don't get. I think it's that primal survival instinct. Like they're literally fighting for their lives. Like in the sense of like, there are millions yeah. of dollars worth at, like, yeah. at stake here. So I think that's a really big part of that primal instinct. For sure. And a lot of these athletes, they're just making their careers slowly and like they're fighting their way up the ranks and their stories are tough and they're not making enough money to sustain themselves and that's a whole different issue but you know these fighters are fighting for something way for way more than you know just themselves it's yeah. it's, it's crazy they don't get the 40 million dollar paychecks signing bonuses for being drafted as a rookie it doesn't happen yeah you you only get paid when you get to the highest levels. When you get to the highest levels. So you got to get there. That's a grind. Paid. It's yeah. just their process. Yeah. It's their version of the process. When you start, you're making five to show, five to win. So you can walk out of there with 10, 15 grand and then have to pay managers, travel, coaches. You make nothing stuff. at you the end nothing. of the day. Yeah. It's okay. tough. It's a tough sport. So moving on from like the actual experience of shooting UFC, you're also obviously, we just talked about it as if you're just sitting back and watching, but you're actually working these events. So one thing that you did at the beginning was shoot and create the content. Now, obviously you have to earn your stripes in that sense, but... Uh, what you're doing now is instead of shooting the audience, you're curating, you're shooting the content, you're curating the content. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I wanted to bring you on is because you have that experience managing a social media page, which is a career line on it all in itself. I think maybe two, three, four, five years ago, it's something they would give to interns. Yeah. But now it's like you, a good social media manager makes all the difference. So what's, what's the biggest thing you've learned going from shooting the actual content to curating, posting, engaging on social? What's the biggest like challenge and learning curve you'd faced in terms of the difference between the two? The hardest part is building a really good team. Like having people that see the long-term vision of what you're doing with the ability to still support a page financially is, is tough. Like these pages, Monetizing an Instagram page is not something that, again, like you said, three or four years ago would even have been possible realistically, so it wasn't really an option, but now it's a huge thing. So understanding what works and what doesn't, having a team that's consistently motivated to be the best in the game, right? If we want to be the best fight network on the planet, it takes a lot. It takes 
uh, multiple platforms, tons of people, news, graphics, original content. And one of the things we pride ourselves on is, uh, you know, making the most original content, interviews and original series and shows and podcasts and all that stuff. And it's tough, like innovating. Innovating is the hardest thing to do running a social media network. Um, it's easy to go repost news and steal other people's bullshit and repurpose it as a different graphic. That Everyone can do that. Everyone can find... But it's about standing out. It's about standing out and making content that people genuinely will, you know, leave what they're doing to go and find your stuff. And it's hard to do. Like, growing on YouTube, growing on TikTok, growing on Instagram, you've done an incredible job of putting your face out there on TikTok and bringing people to... Building yourself a community. It's tough to do. Building a community that will stay is... My eyes twitching just thinking about it. <laughs> fucking. But you, you guys, I think, like over 100,000 followers on yeah. Fight Club. How do you go? You, you said you had it with like 10 followers at first. How do you yeah. go from, from, from 10 or zero to yeah. 140,000? I think you guys have something along the way. 175. 175. Yeah. Sorry, I understand. No, my, my bad. My I bad. I just want to fact uh, check you there. 175,000, right. roughly. How do you go from 10 to that? Yeah, it's just. It's not overnight. It's just volume it's just pure volume to be honest um we got a nice initial push with this being he gave us a shout out got us to 10k really quick of course when you that get was, when you get the cosign there's your cheat code find an athlete pay him a little bit uh to shout you out you're at 10k there you go there's your little uh, okay insider hack but how is it now but you get to 10k and yeah. you, you slowly build up it's a grind we know how even with yeah. our social media but like how do you maintain that audience it's 170 170,000 pairs of eyes yeah how do you keep people engaged? How do you keep people coming back? How do you attract new people? The MMA community, unlike any other sport, is ruthless. If you slip up, even once, you are canceled, you are ousted from the community, you are a casual, which is a word that they love to use in the MMA. Like, it's tough. Being in the MMA space is like I- Unforgiving I, at best. Unforgiving. So, you have to be on 24 seven with your news coverage, your graphics, everything has to be perfect at all times, but Ultimately, people just want to see that your page is advocating for the sport. So with everything we do graphics-wise and news-wise and content-wise, it really was just a, a process of showing people that we care about the fighters. We're here to post good stuff. We're not here to you know, slander anybody or do a lot of things that you know, the MMA community loves to do, which is shit on fighters. <laughs> like They love to bring people down, and it's, it's tough. But we're there to speak for the fighters, not against them. Mm -hmm. And people saw that, and you know, the growth was quick. What's been your biggest learning moment when it comes to like growing the page and 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 developing this brand? What's been the biggest like learning? Um, the politics involved in social media is. I relate. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that it's such a political game where you have to manage not only the page but the personalities within them. Right? Some people have different opinions on what they want to do, how they want to do them, how they want to work together and managing, not necessarily on like the content side, but on the production side of yeah. things and relationship building. It's, it's tough. There's people that want to work with you all the time because they see what you're doing and you have to ask, is it for the right reasons? Do they want to join you because they are passionate or do they want to join you because they see that you have a name and you're growing? Um, it's tough. And I've made some big mistakes there. We've had some big setbacks with who we brought on or why we brought them on, it ruffled feathers, but we, we fix them. We, we fix them when we move on and- That's it, just moving on to the next. Going. Yeah, two years, almost 200K, I think that we're doing okay and hopefully 10 years from now, we can look back and say, you know, we did the right thing. What's the, uh, what's the next step for you now in, in your career? What's the next, um, you know, you mentioned really briefly, obviously that you're gonna be in Vegas coming yeah. up for uh, a UFC event. 
Um, apart from that though, like, what do you, what do you see ahead for yourself? You know, do you see your, like, what do you, what do you see in your future as a content creator within, you know, UFC, MMA? Um, one of the things that we've done really well is create original content. We did a podcast with some fighters and we're trying to show a lot of behind the scenes of fighting. So I've partnered with some really big names in the industry. We're going to pr be producing some new uh, vlog series content for fight week, working with fighters. For me, the goal is to keep building relationships with these athletes to the point where Fight Club is an established brand. It's tough, like the name, you know, with the name, with like the, the movie. like the movie. Like we're, we're competing with What's the, the first movie. First rule, Fight Club. Yeah, you don't talk about. You don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. So it's tough. We're competing with the with the name, but you have to build the brand. Like building Fight Club as an established social media network, it's working. It's happening. But I'd be so stupid to think that there won't be so many more, you know, bumps in the road and obstacles to overcome and just got to keep growing keep doing what we're doing without making it a larger than life thing mm -hmm. it's taking it's keep taking those steps back to put perspective onto where we understand are. where you started look at where you are now and understand yeah. that that's like not the end goal it's not the end goal it's, it's kind of like humbling yourself in a weird in an interesting yeah, way still enjoying still yeah. still going back and saying this is why i got into it in the first place and i want to i don't want it to ruin my love for the sport yeah. which that happens a lot What's the uh, what's one event coming up that you're really looking forward to oh. being at or shooting? International Fight Week is uh, July second. It's going to be every. It's the consensus biggest event of the year all the time. There's a Hall of Fame ceremony with uh, Daniel Cormier and Khabib getting inducted. Every fighter on the roster is going to be there. The fights are massive. Um, we got some cool stuff in the works for the YouTube page. I'm so excited, man. Lots of stuff. International Fight Week is. And what's Last kind of question here to round out everything. Um, you go from sneaking into sporting events. Yeah. Uh, you end up shooting MMA within your community, getting to work at this company that steals <laughs> social media handles and starting a monopoly. Purchases. Purchases. Social media it's, handles. It's, you know, it's a legitimate business here. Um, and then you move on to that. You, you meet Michael Bisping through this company. Yeah. He, you build this relationship with him and this trust. You, you take the, the Fight Club brand to new heights. What's next for you beyond Fight Club? Like, what is the dream, the dream situation five years from now? Where are we going to see Michael in five years through this whole process? Where is this going to, where do you, where, where do you want it to take you? God, that's such a good question. It's like your typical interview question. Yeah. Like, where do you want to like, be in five years? So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, <laughs> Why do you want to work at our company? I, I would love to be able to have a team of fighters, active UFC fighters on the roster creating content for Fight Club, and me being able to manage and tell their stories. To, to democratize the way that sports content is made so that the athletes can have a voice and make money in the game and grow their own personal brand through Fight Club. And for me to oversee that and keep managing this uh, chaos. Manager of chaos. Manager of chaos. Uh, one more thing from the manager of chaos. Uh, one thing I like to do is get the well, the one thing I like to do. I've only done one episode of these. Yeah, this is the second one. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to do is obviously I think there are people, and I, I've experienced this. There are people who want to work in sports content yeah. more than ever now because it's a legitimate play. Like it's a legitimate industry is working in social media, sports social media. But obviously, it's not an easy route, which is why I'm doing the YouTube thing, which is why I'm doing the TikTok thing, to tell people, hey, you can do this. This is how you do it. This is how you can set yourself ahead. Let's say, and just because I've run into people now, which is weird, I've run into people who are like, oh, I see your work. Like, I would love to be in the position you're in. What would you tell somebody right now who wants to work in UFC, 
who doesn't know where to start or is just getting started, what, what's the one piece of advice you would give to your younger self and say like, this is what you need to do in order to get to where I am now? Whether that's just pick up a camera, sneak into sports games, like what, what would you tell? What's the piece of advice you the would give? The one thing is that you have to have tangible skills. Like you need to have the skills that will get you through the networking opportunities. Networking is the foundation of everything that you will do. Never turn down opportunities, work your ass off, um, build your skills, work your ass off. Work your ass off is like the number one thing that will get you there. Be respectful of the relationships you build, work your ass off, work your ass off, work your ass off, work your ass off. That, that's all it is. This is going to be, and this might be included in the podcast, but I just forgot to talk about oh, it good. whatsoever, but I just know that this is about to die. But really quickly, colorblind sport yeah. was your handle before. It was, yeah. You're colorblind. I didn't know that until yeah. we, we, we met up. How, it's a really unique position to be yeah. a photographer, videographer, visual content creator, but be colorblind. What, what's that like and what challenges do you have with something like that? I see no fault in the way I edit. Oh no, I think your edits are fantastic. Nobody else agrees with me whatsoever. So maybe I'm colorblind. You might know. be. That's uh, a nice blue sweater you got. Yeah. Um, is it actually blue? No. <laughs> <laughs> My editing style is unique to me because of the way I see things. And when I send it off, to, I'm lucky to have a lot of creator friends who are really talented um, and very honest when my shit is whack. Like my, my colors go crazy. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see some of the photos where I won't take advice from people because I like it. They're terrible, but it's my style. But you, you like it. Colorblind photography is my style. I edit it to my style and I'm unapologetic about it. Okay, but you changed the handle. Your... I had to change the handle because I was getting some backlash from people from people like the people thought that I was a racist they were saying <laughs> colorblind cancel culture is getting yeah you know to a point where I kind of want my name behind it and I need to follow in your footsteps and put my name out there my face out there and build your personal brand and I need to get following your footsteps and like start a meet social media empire at this point um, the way thank you for coming on this unnamed show yet I don't know what it's gonna be called but one more thing where can the people find you social media youtube i'll tag fight club and everything down below but where can people find you on social find me on instagram at michael goiz m-i-c-h-a-e-l-g-o-i-z uh twitter you won't find me and then fight club everywhere else okay perfect thank you for coming on Appreciate the show anything anytime. anything you want to add before we no yeah give this guy a follow he's taking over <laughs> he's taking over the game and putting us on these podcasts but realistically you know I only found him because he's so good, so damn good at what he does. I so appreciate it, man. You, I appreciate it, man. And that's, uh, that's it for the, uh, the episode today. Thank you guys for watching. Catch you on the appreciate next it. one. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Sports Creative Showcase. I highly recommend you follow Michael on all platforms. An incredibly informative, smart guy who is more than happy to chat all things content and UFC. You can find all his Instagram and Twitter handles and anywhere you can find him on the description of the episode. As well, follow me on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok if you haven't already. And I will catch you guys in the next episode of the Sports Creative Showcase. Peace.